0: Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New
1: Cyber Frontier. On today, we're continuing our series IEEE uh, blockchain and transactive energy. Uh, and today we're going to talk about blockchain security and energy transition. So, our guest today, Patrick Phelps, is the CEO of Ygreen Incorporated, um, and the founder there. So, we're going on a little startup tour with Patrick today, and I'm glad to have a co-kind of startup person on with me today. Welcome today, Patrick. Thank for joining. Thanks,
2: Chris. I appreciate you having me
1: on. Yeah, I definitely. We we were talking before the show, and we definitely understand each other's pain points and uh, challenges here. But uh, first of all, give us your background. How did you get to where you're at? How did you get from you know where where you were in grade school? You know, the early young Patrick to now, you know, we're starting to start up. Actually, you're several years into it and I'm pretty seasoned on this. Tell us your path, though.
2: Yes, yeah, so I grew up in Western Washington, right in Olympia. And I earned my physics degree from Western Washington University. And after that, I was really focusing in on energy being this fundamental resource. At the same time, the blockchain space was developing and I, there was a lot of technology that I thought was very beneficial and a few things that I thought we could still improve upon. And therefore, I wanted to kind of meld these two ideas together and see how we could take the blockchain transaction benefits and apply that to the energy market as we're going undergoing this energy transition.
1: So, and you have a background in, in, sep- in energy companies before. Talk about that a little bit.
2: So, Actually, we may need to. Um, so, I actually started this company right out of college. Um, I, I'd done some energy, um, a lot of research around the energy space and in uh, the kind of the new markets that are uh, uh, developing. But actually, I started this company right out of um, right out of college. And you look uh, so
1: much more seasoned. I just thought you had been out there and and pounding the pavement. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. I've seen his work, and we'll get into some of that as we go through. You'll definitely see why. So, tell us about your vision. And 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 what you've done with starting Y Green and where it's heading
2: Yeah, so the Y Green vision can really be distilled down into three words. It's decarbonize decarbonized, decentralized, and digitize. And we see the grid evolving with all of these new regulations that are coming onto the market. And I think one place that I really liked is a few podcasts ago with your marketing of cybersecurity podcast you guys started with the why. So I think that would be a good place to to start with here. And so the reason why all of this new regulation is coming onto the market is because the governments are mandating clean energy resources, such as distributed energy resources or other um, clean technologies mm-hmm. to be able to help accelerate the sustainable energy transition in order to prevent climate change. And so we need to, a way to shift off of these finite fossil fuels that are emitting CO2 to cleaner renewable energy resources. And so by able to shift this transition of energy from old dirty to, to new clean assets, we're able to provide energy for a long time out in the future, but there's also some hiccups along along that way. Mm-hmm. So we really need to realize what are the benefits of renewable energy? How can we deal with the challenges that they, that they create? And one of those main ones is the imbalance of power supply and demand. And so everyone knows the sun doesn't shine all day or the wind, isn't blowing all the time, plus battery storage is really expensive. So how can we make all of these distributed energy resources, work together and then turn those into virtual power plants? And that's one place where our company is working on aggregating all of these smaller devices. And instead of the utility building one big new fossil fuel plant, they can aggregate thousands of smaller DERs on their network Mm -hmm. and virtually turn that into a power plant.
1: Yeah, we, we had a show a couple ago where we talked about aggregators, which is a very interesting, uh, almost new concept where we say a group of people all operating the same and the ability to control that power resource becomes the same as a big power generation. We'll be right back. We're going to talk to our, our sponsor, hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back in a minute.
0: Blockframe technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting Blockframe at www.blockframetech.com.
1: Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. Uh talk today with Patrick Phelps, CEO of Ygreen. Uh, and Patrick before the break you had talked about, you know, driving forces, regulators, the need uh but, you know, that I want to know how does that affect people? You know, the individual. Um, what's the driving force behind an individual?
2: Great topic, and I think this is where we need to make sure we don't lose anything of the past power grid. We, regulators are really wanting to keep safe, reliable power for their users, and that's something we need to maintain. As we switch to the clean energy, one of the challenges with this in, intermittency is that the power outages are happening more often as we see in California and in Texas. And so as we make this transition, we really need to make sure that power is still reliable for the end consumer. And we can add this added benefit of being clean power, but at the end of the day, it still needs to be reliable power. And so that's one of the places where I think this hits the end user the most is they need to make sure at the end of the day, their lights still turn on, whether that's coming from a fossil fuel plant or from solar panels we all want it to come from solar panels, but if it's not reliable at the end of the day, that's where we really have to drill down and make sure that's reliable. So that's where I think if we can coordinate all of these assets together into that virtual power plant, then that end user can actually benefit from the system. Okay. Where Whereas right now, there's only a few centralized power plants, and it's really these large monopolies that are controlling this, the network. As we democratize this system, enable anyone with solar panels or battery or EVs they can now connect to the grid and virtually become a power plant on their own. And that way they can start providing grid services and even earn a return on investment for their DERs. So I think one of the best examples that we've heard and what utility CEOs have told us is, we want our customers with electric vehicles. Again, a lot of these electric vehicles are being mandated and being incentivized by the governments of federal governments and even state governments even some state governments are trying to incentivize the, the EVs and really completely get rid of internal combustion engine vehicles. And so that's a place where it may affect everyone much sooner than we think. So if everyone has an electric vehicle, they can now start participating in the energy market. Instead of going to the gas station, they can charge up at home, right? And we want to incentivize them to charge up when the cost of power is the lowest. For example, utility CEOs tell us we want our customers to charge up with low cost wind energy overnight, driving to work. Don't charge up right when you get to work because the price of electricity is still high. Wait until the sun comes up in the afternoon. And a lot of times they'll even pay you to charge up with surplus solar energy because there's just too much energy on the network, which is harmful. And then that person can drive home after they're done working and have the option to either save the energy on their battery or sell it back into the grid as this virtual power plant. And that's something that will help the utilities and the regulators, but also help the end customer at the end of the day. In that EV, there's several reports out there showing that they can make over a $1,000 to $2,000 a year just by providing these grid services, by storing surplus energy and reselling it when there's a shortage or providing other ancillary services. So I think this is a really a win-win-win where the regulators win, utilities keep the grid balanced and that end customer can actually get paid to sell
1: power This is interesting because you know we titled the show "Transition," and uh, I kind of see what you're meaning by the transition is if we move from where we where we were at with the the, de- the central the, de- the centralized to a decentralized. Um, not only you could make money, you said by you know charging at different times, and discharging or taking power by being paid for it when there's too much, even and then giving it back. But you get free transportation too,
2: so exactly you're paying for it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So there is a a a benefit. Um, other than PVs, you know, uh, personal electric vehicles, do you see other areas that the consumer really benefits, uh, or is that to be determined to come through this transition? I think there's
2: there's several others, and one other one is just being able to be off grid, and so instead of having to run your dirty diesel generator, a lot of There's even several startup companies out there that are replacing generators with batteries. And so by just having your battery there, you can keep your lights on. And so it can still provide backup power to you whenever you choose. Mm -hmm. But in the times where it doesn't need to provide that backup power, which is only a few times a year, it can be creating this return on investment every day just by slightly charging up, discharging, and providing these localized grid services. So I think there's a whole number of ways that DER owners can already participate. But they're starting to be more and more with new regulation. That's um one other regulation that I'd like to talk about is FERC 2222, so four twos. Um, other people call it FERC two by four, and that is the federal energy regulation committee uh, commission that is um, demanding or, or it's going to be requiring wholesale markets to accept mm-hmm. smaller distributed energy resources. So the battery or EV can connect to their local distribution network and work with their utility, but it also could participate in the wholesale market. And this is kind of in the next two to three years when that market's really gonna be opening up. And so that allows several different revenue streams. And then what our application does is try to maximize those revenue streams. What's the best market to sell your electricity into? Are there other services that it can provide to really optimize those returns? And then to get back to that end user, if you buy a $50,000 car and it can make $2,000 $2,000 every year just by buying and selling energy and charging up at the right time, I can save you a lot of money and also really start creating that return on investment where these assets are now paying themselves off, especially batteries in the, the California and Texas markets are starting to be able to pay themselves off in a very short time period, just by choosing when's the right time to store energy and when's the right time to sell.
1: Interesting. Uh And now I, having looked at FERC and having a couple of people talk about it on other shows, the FERC, two, 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 four twos, um, there's aggregators are specified out as people, companies or whatever that get a whole bunch of consumers. So we're not at the consumer level yet that I could stand this up at my house and get get money or you know participate in this. Are we going to get there?
2: Yeah, I think we're moving there pretty quickly. And utilities are seeing that if they don't provide these services, someone else is going to come along and provide it. Mm -hmm. For example, Tesla has already decided to be a distributed utility company and will start competing against utilities as their own utility company. And so they can provide power to the end user. But as we start to aggregate those larger users, so there's some small pilots that are happening right now and a lot of them are being implemented as demand response where they turn your power off turn your lights down, turn your AC down at at high demand times to save you electricity or save your bill and and save the utility company electricity. And they're doing some smart EV charging. Mm -hmm. But I really start, I see the shift of going to bi-directional where I had a great quote from one of our initial customers is nobody knows what cryptocurrency is, but everyone knows how to pay their power bill. And so we're creating this market where it's as easy to, pay your power bill as it is to sell energy back to the utility. And so now we're getting this bi-directional market where everyone right now is just paying for their electricity. But imagine turning into that power plant and selling it back to the grid. We get this bi-directional transactions that are going on where everyone is equal. And eventually the grid could be this fully decentralized peer-to-peer network where the utilities are running the wires and the poles but a lot of the utility's job is just connecting one peer to another peer and being the middleman in that market, just making sure the grid is balanced. But once there's enough home solar, home battery, and home EV, we'll be able to shift this residential market where a lot of the energy production and consumption is localized and we're not needing to build these new transmission lines, which are, are really hard to do, but we're able to keep everything on the distribution level and have the utilities empower their customers actually be part of the network. Instead of just a one-way system, this is really moving to a bi-directional system. And I think the utilities see that as
0: something that they have
2: to do.
1: Yeah. Well, let's take a break here from our, cu- our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute.
0: Blockframe technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com.
1: Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier on today with Patrick Phelps, CEO of YGreen. Uh, And before the break, we were talking about, you know, where this is going Um, and, you know, You had kind of coined it as centralized using fossil fuels, and everybody participates in a monopoly of the utility company. You have to get power from them. That's where we're at. That's where we have been. But the FERC 2222 starts to open the door to a decentralized renewable energy democracy decarbonization, democratized decarbonization, carbonized. What does that landscape look like? I mean, what are the challenges we need to then – the next couple of years, the next direction to get there.
2: Yeah, I think this ties in perfect with the, the title of the show because this is kind of the, the new cyber frontier of the energy markets. it has been a very closed off system, only a few players playing in it and utility manages everything. But as everyone can start producing their own energy, they can island and turn into their own off grid or, or micro grid where it can run independently of the grid or connect into the grid. There's this, new changing landscape where there's a lot of devices connected to the grid. I think this is a place where it really ties back well with the cybersecurity angle of it, is instead of a few single points of failure, you have a lot more distributed assets that makes your grid much more resilient, but it also allows for a lot more security threats. And so that's one place where we need to make sure as we're accelerating the sustainable energy transition, we're doing it securely and we're also doing it efficiently and that's one place where I think there's still a lot of room to develop. And kind of the, the people that have been running in the space haven't had to focus too hard on cybersecurity because there's only a few assets, a few very large assets. And then as the utilities have, that they're starting to have to work with thousands of devices, that's where they're going to have to worry about a threat from each one of those individual devices. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see blockchain transactive energy really coming into play that creates these. Safe and secure distributed networks and this decentralized system of transactions where it's easy for a person to buy energy from their utility company as well as sell it back to. And we need to be able to make sure the utility is getting that device to do what it wants it to do. And that's where we have smart contracts come into play and can optimally charge the EV or discharge the EV and easily do this. Because one of the examples I find pretty wild is with the California public power shutoffs. They've been calling people on the phone, trying to get them to put energy onto the grid or to lower their demand. So that's where I see this digitization being one of the key steps of, we need to have these contracts digitized. So when the utility wants to connect to these virtual power plants, it's at the push of a button. You're not having to wait on a phone call or try to quickly put things together. You can have these networks that are reset up and then can come into play when the power is going into a blackout we can actually have all these devices put energy back onto the system to prevent that power outage and just really make that grid work better for everyone and that also really saves the utilities lots of money because they're not having to build new wires and holes and Mm -hmm. build new power plants another place that it also saves a lot of money is these big der's tesla's Mega batteries are around $100 million for some of the largest batteries. So instead of having to build a $100 million battery, which not many people or, or utilities can even afford that, if we're able to aggregate all of these smaller devices that are on the network, and again, we have to securely do that, then we're able to save all of that money by using devices that are already on the network instead of this one large upfront cost. But again, we need to make sure we do that securely and efficiently so there's a few blockchain companies that have started doing this but a lot of them have had a very hard time to make it secure and efficient a lot of the initial blockchains some of your listeners may well be aware of is they have a very high electricity costs and that's one thing that we really wanted to try to avoid i know you have done some work along the same lines of how do we not waste energy as we trade energy which is in some of our competitors white papers they they say something right along those lines and so we really want to try to focus on how can we have a hybrid cloud and blockchain system so we can do a lot of off-chain computation but then use the blockchain to keep everything safe and secure and immovable and keep those records nice and pristine and really find that happy medium of we want the added security that blockchain provides but we also want some centralized efficiency uh-huh. so the same way our software networks are just kind of set up in this hybrid model that's the same model that i see with the grid moving towards where there's still some stuff, some large fossil fuel plants or nuclear plants. but A lot of the DERs that are connected on the bridge edge, those can really interact with the system. and be integrated. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I hear a, a lot of involvement from the consumer. And um, if I am a consumer hearing this and I say, OK, does this just make more work for me? What What's what's in my path for it? Uh, you know, my first thought is, you know, if I'm running my car and I go out to get in it, and it's been discharged, and they say, yeah, we made you $3 overnight. It doesn't help me get into work. So does you know, kind of the consumer have to readapt for in this, in this landscape?
2: Yeah, great question. I think that's actually at the core of this whole idea, is it needs to be as easy for the consumer as possible, and not, people need to live their lives. Utility companies, it's their job to buy and sell energy. And so, we can shift all of the trading focus onto the utility, but we also have to make sure it benefits the user. And so with our application, users can set a few preferences about how they want their EV to charge or discharge and keep their reserve levels. And we really want this to be like a nest thermostat where it set it and forget it, right? We don't want, this isn't an application where the user has to go in every day and make sure that they charge up their device or they discharge it. We'll have AI and machine learning in the background to automate all of the the buying and selling. And then users can just opt opt in of how aggressive they want to be with optimizing returns um, to create that ROI or for their comfort. And so we'll always make sure that there'll be reserve charge in the EV. Um, And people, this is an opt-in system where you're, you're not mandated to to have your car hooked up to this if, if you want to have it not connected that day because you know you have stuff to do late at night you can just have it charged you don't have to discharge back into the grid um, but really the, the goal is to have the ai ml uh, start doing this for the consumer mm-hmm. so we can charge it when when we know they're not going to be using the vehicle and then also there's a lot of services that we can do um, a lot of times we look at that that first arbitrage where we store up surplus energy and sell it back when there's a shortage. There's a lot of other good services that we can actually provide that create even more value that don't deplete your battery and don't have any degradation on your battery, where your car car is just charging up a little bit or discharging a little bit, and that provides this frequency regulation or other grid services to the utility. So just by having some localized control, you're able to get a lot of benefits without having to make yourself that vulnerable. And Because at the end of the day, that person needs to go on with their life like this it isn't a, uh, an obstruction to it at all it mm-hmm. just adds some positive return on investment by creating money when they're not using it so,
1: yeah, so and we didn't talk much about your applications, but it works in this space where ever so many people have a PV in their garage now, and it used to be year in the years back you you bought solar cells for your house, you put a battery in your garage to, to and then you had this this Capability. But now you have electric vehicles that so many people are are starting to bring in. And your app, your thought process around this is use that electric vehicle for these different aggregated services of many cars to provide value to the grid and the consumer at the same time.
2: Yeah, exactly. We really wanted to take it from just a personal use where that solar is going into your house and and powering your lights and your battery is just reserving energy right that's been a long time use of it is where that battery is just serving personal use and just preventing that power outage now we're looking at how can we while keeping those same personal use right you're still going to have that you're still going to have that battery for backup generation or mm-hmm. backup power when your when your lights go out but we also want to see how can we connect that to the larger system if that's going to provide benefits to both users so we want to provide Value to the utility, but we also want to make sure that there's value to that end user that has that battery. So if they can just toggle on a new switch onto their on their application, and that allows their battery to smart smartly track and trade energy with the grid, and that starts creating them a large return on investment while still not inconveniencing them at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to make sure that your your battery has enough charge when you when you need it, um, but in the times that you're not, when it's just sitting there, and you know, a lot of these batteries are underutilized. And the utility doesn't even know that they're on the system, and that way we can connect them to the utility you can utility can use those to monitor and manage them then it's a win win situation for everybody yeah and now these devices are not just for your own personal use but can benefit the grid as well, and it creates an additional revenue stream for yourself
1: yeah so so if we if we we look a couple of years back uh critical infrastructure protection, we started separating the power grids because security so you know, and looking at now we're adding so many more consumer devices to the grid. What's what's the plan for, you know, how does this impact, first, how does this impact security? And what's the plan for remediating that?
2: Yeah, it, it definitely creates a lot more um, threat vectors of spots where it can get into the grid. Uh, and it also depends on what kind of software you're setting up. Does your software itself... Is it fully centralized and have a single point of failure? We saw a lot of the, uh, the legacy companies have approaches like this where they're all centralized assets. And then some of the new players in the space are leveraging blockchain technology to make that secure immutable ledger. But Again, they, there's some downsides to that of costs. so we got to find this happy medium of, can we get the technical and security benefits of blockchain technology without having the the downsides to it. And also, how do we communicate with millions of devices which in real time, which we haven't had to, to do before? The utility is very good at a few big power plants and then sending you a bill mm-hmm. at the end of the month. But if you're gonna have these transaction times in, in real, uh, real time, because the utilities are now moving to time of day pricing, so instead of a flat fixed rate, the cost of electricity varies throughout the time of day and, and quite drastically in some places. So we need to be able to take advantage of that in real time while also keeping everything safe and secure. Uh-huh. And that's that's some places where it definitely depends on how you want to set up even your blockchain network. Do you want a public network or a private network? We found that private networks are much more secure and they eliminate the the mining costs that are associated with a lot of the um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh-huh. And so there's some places of how do you balance out the, the benefits of, of each network? So security has to be the top priority at the, at the start of the day and then efficiency has to be the decider at the end. You can't have a system that is too secure, it costs so much that it's not applicable, and it also can't be so low cost that there's no security and anyone can hack it. So we know that you, that energy grid is one of the time uh, prime targets for hackers and could really wipe out the whole US economy just by taking out the electrical grid. And mm-hmm. Your food sources can go bad if, if you don't have refrigeration. And so there's a lot of negative outcomes from that. So we really need to keep the grid secure with all of these new devices. And there's a lot of research, including the blockchain transactive energy group through IEEE that has done some a lot of, lot of work showing how distributed ledger technology can improve the security and then how you can have off-chain, on-chain hybrids to, to really balance that efficiency. And so I think at the end of the day, we really need a secure and efficient energy exchange. And that's what WIGRING provides.
1: Yeah. So wh- where do you see this? How's it scale? What's the next five, 10 years look like? Yeah, I
2: see in the next couple of years, a lot of these utility pilot projects are are in the works where we're connecting a handful of devices um, in in thousands of range, um, hundreds to hundreds thousands. Um, but there's really no limit. And so as we see more EVs come onto the grid, more home solar, more residential battery storage, and even commercial and industrial battery storage, we see all of these devices naturally coming onto the market. Those are the prime targets to aggregate all of those. and Then mm-hmm. we stop having to build new fossil fuel plants. We stop building new transmission lines. And we use these assets that are very close to the grid edge. And I see in the, the future, and there's some great research out there that shows how really energy aggregation is going to replace the fossil fuel power plants, right? We have this free resource, right? Whenever the sun's up, you get electricity and that's a renewable resource, but we're eventually gonna run out of oil and gas. And so if we have this asset that's giving us free energy every day, we just need to figure out how do we optimally manage that and how to restore
1: it and use it- Our backup plan, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, exactly. Yeah, in closing, here, um, what type of people are you looking to contact you? Uh, What do you need? What would you like to get out to our audience?
2: Wagreen is definitely looking for partners to roll out pilot projects. We have our app up and running at the University of Washington's Clean Energy Test Beds. And there we're controlling the battery to charge and discharge into the grid. And now we just need partners to roll this out into more pilot projects where we can connect utilities and to ddr owners so if you have a distributed energy resource like solar battery evs even hydrogen and are looking for some way to monitor and manage those assets and then connect them back into the grid for people
1: to do that all right well thanks a lot for joining today patrick you have a great day
0: thanks chris we hope you have enjoyed this episode of new cyber frontier remember to get involved Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links, as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.